Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 124 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And if you could tell from last week's episode, I sound a lot better. I definitely healed from my common cold. <laughs> uh, last week was a little bit of a struggle getting through it with the sore throat. But give your body a couple of days rest. You're uh, feeling completely brand new. So that's how I'm feeling. I feel energized and feel ready to go again. But it's a pretty exciting episode because um, the top 22 players um, for FIFA, the FIFA ratings have been revealed. But we also got this past weekend some exciting stuff that happened between some of the top teams. Uh, Ronaldo making his second debut at Manchester United. Liverpool handling stuff at Leeds. Um, some other notable players making some big... Uh, Big moves in the Premier League. But uh, to get things started, we had the Manchester United-Newcastle game where United beat Newcastle United 4-1 at home. And what was the bigger storyline of the Premier League, I would say, was Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo making his second debut back at Old Trafford, back at Manchester United. Um, he scored a brace. I mean, it, it just kind of had written in the stars almost where you just expected him to score. Um, Jesse Lingard got on the scoring, Bruno Fernandez scored a screamer. So all in all, it was a really good day for Manchester United. But one thing that uh, I wanted to point out is just, it felt box office again, like legitimately Manchester United felt they lived up to the name theater of dreams for so long since Sir Alex has retired. That's been the biggest crux is that they have looked so off when at home, but now it, it seems like they're finally back in terms of the theater of dreams. So that was my biggest takeaway was obviously Ronaldo, but the 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 vibe and the kind of the atmosphere um, around Old Trafford, it was back like they were back on top again. It really felt like one of those superstar teams that had no compromise either. It was like, oh, <laughs> all right, we have, you know, Fred in. Like eventually we'll get someone else. It's like, no, like this starting eleven for this time. Although Matic, it was yeah. eh, you know, it was old Matic, but at least it was like a CDM that was you know had the resume that's shown that he's won on old teams you know with Chelsea with Mourinho mm-hmm. and things like that but this team was stacked they had basically their new players they got from that summer transfer window of Veron, Sancho and Ronaldo yeah. all starting and I feel like the biggest talking point that kind of came up throughout this game in particular was what happens to Bruno Fernandes because like he was the star of the show you know that yeah. he was the reason why He's people brought the Portuguese flag to the game and then now all of a sudden they're like well you know this flags for ronaldo now and you of course but you know ronaldo mostly but you know it also showed this game bruno fernandez also getting a goal is like i'm not out i'm still he scored gonna be, a screamer too he's going to screamer so <laughs> i think now it just kind of goes to show that y'all have two superstar portuguese players and uh, it's going to be a wild season not, in terms of goal scoring not, up there not to mention paul pogba getting another assist in this game is crazy. This guy's like, it's been incredible. It's just, he's just, you know, that argument we brought up, I think it was maybe a couple months back, but we mentioned that Paul Pogba, when he's in a, you know, everyone talks about France, Paul Pogba versus Manchester United, Paul Pogba, that the argument we always made was Paul Pogba is the guy, when your team is already good, you place him in that team and they make that team 10 times better. He's not a guy that you put in when the team is struggling to kind of, uh, spark some life like a Bruno Fernandez type player, um, but we're seeing that now that now that Manchester United have a more lit, probably the most complete team they've had since 
Paul Pogba has been a Manchester United player. He's thriving and he is shining. And you you can see it through the assists, the passes, the way he's been playing, playing with a lot more confidence. Um, everyone, I feel like, has kind of gotten that mega boost um, from Ronaldo joining, but also the big summer signings. But one thing I noticed that I hope that, unfortunately, will be the byproduct of Ronaldo signing with Manchester United is a trying to force feed him the ball a little bit too much. I felt at times, uh, you know, a lot of times during this Newcastle game, I felt it was a little bit boring in a sense that it was kind of a lot of passing sideways. And, you know, we kind of got them, once we got them on the break, we kind of took advantage and such. But one thing that I did notice that sometimes we were trying to cross too many balls in or, you know, try to force feed Ronaldo a little bit too much. Um, And obviously when you have a player of that caliber, whether it be Messi or Ronaldo, you're going to, obviously try to get them the ball as much as possible because why not but I I wouldn't want to see the team get too comfortable where they're just when all of a sudden all they do is their first option is pass it to Ronaldo pass it to Ronaldo pass it to Ronaldo Um, and I think with the players such as Bruno Fernandez, Paul Pogba, big personalities. And obviously when Marcus Rashford comes back, when Jaden Sancho kind of gets his feet settled in a lot more, um, those are the type of players that can maybe handle, you know, taking care of the load for you know for Ronaldo or they can handle um handling the ball themselves they don't have to force feed it but I kind of look out for players like Aaron Wan-Bissaka Luke Shaw Harry Maguire you know whoever plays that holding midfielder position do they have enough um confidence in themselves to you know play play the right pass instead of trying to force feed the ball into Ronaldo if he's demanding it all the time so that's one thing I think will be something to look out for this season because you know, if we are trying to force feed Ronaldo too much, I feel like that will break up kind of the fluidity of the team. I mean, part of it also from, you know, old Ronaldo is that he's kind of a ball hog. You know, if <laughs> even the ball is like, all right, go free. And then he just runs up the left wing and then tries to juke out five people and then take a shot. Whereas, you know, over the years, he's gotten a little better. But I, mm-hmm. I kind of saw a little glimpse of that in this past game against Newcastle. And it might be just because also it's his first second debut for Manchester United, the return. So he's doing he step wanted, again. Like he's 20 years yeah. old. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. And then he would just take shots from like crazy angles. I'm like, all right. And then I don't even know if you remember, like one of his first shots he did was like a 360. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, he just did like a, a tour. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why he did that, but I'm like, all right. <laughs> he's like a tornado <laughs> kick and he completely shanked it. I was like, man, okay. I don't know what kind of Ronaldo we're going to get, but I mean, ultimately he got the two goals. And like his second goal was just very much like, all right, I'm not, I'm not here to mess around now. I'm just, I'm going to be clinical. So that's something that's just so reassuring for Manchester United is like, they got a legit goal score. And when you do need the goal, Ronaldo's not going to be like the old Ronaldo trying to like juke up players. He's just going to just rip it. And he's more reliable now of anything. But I, I did also see a little bit of, as you said, a lot of funneling into Ronaldo. Because, I mean, like, it is Ronaldo. Like, if you yeah. don't give him the ball... Like, what was the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like you, you literally have one of, the best, one of the best forwards of all time now. Granted, he's, like, 36, but, I mean, he's still... Because yeah. of his Tom Brady effect of just being super in shape somehow, some way of his practice and his diet and everything, he's still mm-hmm. basically almost in his prime. Like, maybe just yeah. a little bit past it. But I still think he's still one of the best in the world. So, I mean, the other person you could feed it to who was previously being fed was Bruno Fernandes. But, I mean, now mm-hmm. you got two players to feed. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that's why I got Sancho, man. He's the man who's trying to whip up as many chances he can get. Yeah, it's it's been interesting because Sancho has started the past two games, but obviously he or past three games, I think, or yeah, past two games, but he has still trying to get his feet underneath himself. Obviously, he was a start in the Bundesliga, but any player moving from a another league to the Premier League, there is that type of I guess, adjustment period that a lot of players go through. Obviously, not everyone. Some players just hit the ball running right away. But Bruno, uh, I'm sorry, Jane Sancho has looked a little shaky at times. It looks like his confidence, I wouldn't say is shaken, but I, I definitely think it looks like he's second-guessing himself and overthinking things a little bit too much rather than playing from um, just what he, he normally did at Dortmund. I feel like, you know, maybe it's the crowd, maybe it's the pressure of, you know, the big money move to Manchester United. But I definitely say give him some time. He'll definitely showcase like why he was worth so much money and why he's one of the more exciting, um, talented young prospects in this game. But it's going to take him a little bit of time because he's still very young moving from uh, – Dortmund to Manchester United but obviously Ronaldo he's been there done that so that pressure even though he's a little nervous he is still able to perform but um, I wanted to also bring up uh, the Varane Maguire partnership I know uh, I know Varane looked really really good against Wolves but again he showed off his class again in this in this match um, against Newcastle he's just you know when you have like it's kind of like that Van Dyke effect when you have a really world class top class center back who can kind of just command the back line kind of usher people around um is very cool calm and collected when things are going a little bit crazy doesn't panic on the ball is never you know kind of making rash decisions like we used to have with marcus rojo you know eric bailly you know we have with Varane someone that is very confident in what he can do who knows what to do and can confidently perform whatever he needs to get done because he has the quality and it's kind of that that reassurance in the back that Manchester United haven't had for a very, very long time, ever since the likes of Rio Ferdinand and um, Nemanja Vidic uh, retired from the club. So it's nice to see that Varane and Maguire, um, especially Varane coming in, has kind of brought that little glue to the back line that they were kind of missing for this for this long of long of time. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it won't be as good as Rio Ferdinand and yeah. Vidic, obviously, because like that was like a legendary back pair. But I mean, this. It's pretty up there. It's not even mm-hmm. just slightly above average. It's near world class. It's pretty it's pretty getting I mean, we gotta get more time between the two to build some chemistry and also to see how Aaron Wan Basaka and Luke Shaw do flanking them on the left yeah. and right back positions. But I mean, as they build more throughout this the season, they should theoretically get better and better. So mm-hmm. already as of now, although they faced a Newcastle team that was Newcastle <laughs> it's just the adjective to describe them is just themselves but I mean they're not the best team they're a team that probably will be facing and fighting relegation throughout the season so we'll have to see how they do against kind of better opposition as they face them throughout the season and mm-hmm. you know next week I believe to face West Ham and that should be a pretty good test to see yeah where they, how they really are because yeah. you know Newcastle's not they can make anyone look good so we'll see <laughs> But there is one yeah. question that I kind of want to go back to in terms of uh, the Bruno Fernandez and Ronaldo pairing. Whereas I kind of remember when Ronaldo was at Juventus, when he just joined the season before, Paulo Dybala, he kind of went yeah, off. Was off. Like, he was one of the top goal scorers, one of the Maybe best Higuain players in the league. We're pretty good. With Higuain as well. But when Ronaldo came, you know, Dybala did get hit with some injuries here and there, but his goal totals 
dropped dramatically and like his ability to make big impacts in the game also dropped and even to the point where he's basically benched for other players to play instead like Chiesa, Bernardeschi and that might be part of the manager's decision too like I didn't really watch and follow Juve too closely but I just kind of noticed just statistically I was like what's happening (laughs) what's happening to Dybala (laughs) so I'm just kind of curious what your take and your prediction might be for Bruno Fernandez, because I think that'd be the equivalent for Dybala at Juve would be Bruno Fernandez at Man U. Do you think it would be maybe that kind of partnership that Dybala and Ronaldo had at Juve or closer to maybe something that Kane and Son have at Tottenham, where maybe it might be more of a mutualistic relationship rather than one where it's like almost parasitic? Kind of busting out the scientific lingo, but <laughs> yeah, there we know. go. Uh, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, that's tough. I think um, looking at this game, it's only a very small sample size, but I feel like it's a little bit different because I feel like even though Juventus, when they brought in Ronaldo, they were their main goal was to win the Champions League and they kind of had a team that was ready to win now. I feel like this team, Manchester United team, is different because even though they have a lot of star power and now it's almost like, yeah, we have to win now. If you really look at the squad, Ronaldo is the oldest player on the team. Everyone else is relatively young and, you know, kind of hitting their prime or literally at their prime right now. And when you go back to Juventus, you would have to say Ronaldo was one of five or six older players in the starting 11 for Juventus because they had a really old starting 11. So I feel like in a lot of ways, Ronaldo, I feel like the biggest person that he might take away some of um, production from is maybe the likes of Mason Greenwood, um, I feel like Mason Greenwood for sure, I think probably will get hit the most because I feel like Bruno Fernandez works in a little bit of a different role than Paulo Dybala. Because even though Fernandez does play up top a lot, um, I still feel like he can still settle in the in the midfield. I feel like Dybala was more of a center forward striker-ish role, depending on the role he needed to play. But I feel like with the way Bruno Fernandez plays, um, he can feed the likes of Ronaldo um, those balls and he can also score a lot um, on his own. So I, I don't feel like Bruno's production will go off that 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 much, but also I don't see it working as closely as a Harry Kane or Hyunmin Son because I feel like those two just worked so perfectly with each other that I don't I don't think that's very likely. But I think maybe more of the likes of Mason Greenwood, maybe Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, maybe those I feel like the wingers might get affected a little bit more because last season it was definitely the wingers contributed a lot of goals for United, such as, you know, Marcus Rashford scoring 20 plus goals, Mason Greenwood chipping in a lot towards the end. Um, I feel like those players might get impacted a lot more than maybe a Bruno Fernandes type for United. We didn't even talk about Martial. <laughs> yeah. Man, he's, he's too far. He's too far. Jesse Lingard has now overtaken Anthony Martial. On the, on the, I was going to say, chart. I was like, we saw Messi Lingard come in, score yeah. a goal. His Scored celebration. He yes, came sir. in. Jay League's back. Um, <laughs> Ling's is back. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's the state of Martial right now. The fact that, you know, Jesse Lingard has shown last season and in the summer that he's been really, really good. But, man, Anthony Martial has just not looked very, very good. And in terms of people you would want to bring on, you would have to, uh, uh, you would have to put Jesse Lingard above him. And you even saw Donny van de Beek get a, get a run in as well. So... I don't know. I think Martial still could play a little bit, but definitely if you had to pick a person to come off the bench from him or Cavani, you'd definitely pick Cavani over Martial. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that you guys even have 
this level of depth too. Yeah. So Cavani can come on. That's crazy. Cavani's like a, a class striker to come off the mm-hmm. bench. He scored, I think, fifteen goals around sixteen or fifteen goals last season. It's and crazy. he was a starter, and now he's he came on just for an extra year just to kind of keep it going. And then you got benched. Just like, all right, he knows Ronaldo. <laughs> I can't really complain. He he can have my number too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Here's a seven. So. Cool. Again, uh, I think the main point is that Manchester United kind of feel like box office again. So we'll see if they can keep it up because it's been exciting to see them come out, I guess, firing guns blazing in the start of the Premier League season. But now that they have Ronaldo, I'm going to be very interested to see how they get on in the bigger competition, such as Champions League, a competition they've struggled mightily in um, since Sir Alex has retired, whether that's getting knocked out in the group stage or not really progressing past the round of 16. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see how they perform in that competition and also how they can get consistently good in the Premier League. But um, moving on to Leeds United versus Liverpool. Um, Liverpool basically destroyed Leeds 3-0, but uh, there was a lot of storylines that happened in this game. Salah scored his 100th Premier League goal, which is a pretty big milestone because um, I think on the stats, I think he's one of, I think, the fourth fastest or the third fastest Premier League player to reach 100 goals in a number of appearances. But again, it, it was funny. A lot of people used to call him like the one season wonder. But I mean, the man has consistently, I guess, scored 20 plus goals almost every season since that first season. So kudos to him. 100 Premier League goals. That's a big that's a big milestone. But um, kind of the bad news that overtook the game was Harvey Elliott, uh, Liverpool's young midfielder that has been kind of taking up the the storm recently, the past, I think, three games he's started uh, for Liverpool at 18 years old, starting in that center mid, center mid position, kind of Genie's replacement, unfortunately got a terrible injury where, um, you know, I'm sure we all saw it, but it was a scary ankle injury where it almost literally looked like his, his ankle just dislocated. And as Klopp said in the um, post-game interview, they literally had to pop it back in. It, it was a gruesome injury and um, he went on Instagram and said that he's he's doing fine and I think Liverpool put out a statement that they, he was discharged from the hospital the same day um, that it happened. So I guess now it's just on the road to recovery for him. But yeah, it was a terrible injury you don't want to see to any player. But it was kind of, you know, he said it that it wasn't the player to blame, the Leeds player to blame. It was more of a freak accident that happens when you play a high intensity sport. So um, unfortunately, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, I remember when Luke Shaw, like that injury happened to Luke Shaw during 2015 season uh, against PSV and it was it, it was something that derailed his career for a little bit until now he's finally kicked on then but hopefully for Elliot he can make a comeback and make a quick one and not really get derailed too much from from this injury yeah if if you didn't see this injury yeah don't I, look I would advise I would not look it up <laughs> it was <laughs> one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen live it was as you said like his foot like dislocated entirely like it was just from his leg, it seemed like it just was like a different piece that was just like flopping around, and like immediately, like the medical staff had to come onto the pitch. Like the the ref didn't even blow the game to like pause or anything. Like they just rushed on because Salah saw it happen, and they just like rushed him on, and they literally had to take his foot and then put it back in place. I like I saw it all happen. I was like, "Whole oh, that was that was ugh. so." Hopefully, you know. We're thinking of Harvey Elliott. Hopefully, the 18-year-old, his career doesn't get derailed entirely from this traumatic injury, and that you know he can hopefully recover by next season. Because like this, mm-hmm. I'm no doctor, but I, I would expect like at least this being a season-ending injury. Yeah, and like 
we've seen injuries in the past, you know, kind of derail careers and like maybe even take him for a turn. But Hardy Elliott, this is so early in his career. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. Hopefully he can kind of take this, put, make this like, you know, like a chip on his shoulder kind of thing. It's like, you know what? I can come back from this. I can, it's, it's all good. Like he literally was breaking into the starting 11 of Liverpool consistently yeah. for the beginning of the season. And now just bad timing and unfortunate accident from a Leeds defender. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> thinking about it now, I was like, oh, that was, that was kind of rough. And I, I know, I think the face of Strauch, the Leeds defender that kind of committed the foul, like got a straight red, but like the face that he made, it was just so sad. It's just like, I'm, he felt so bad about it. So, I mean, you know, that's part of the game, unfortunately. Like, you know, occasionally you will get these kind of accidents, these kind of injuries. But hopefully they just kind of bounce back eventually. And I don't know if it's a thing, but I've seen sometimes some of the like the worser injuries, the players come back a little more intact, if that makes sense. Like some of the mm-hmm. more lingering injuries that are kind of like minor, those are kind of ones that kind of stick with players for a while and couldn't really be resolved. Can't really think of any off the top of my head, but like there's some injuries yeah, I've seen like that are pretty traumatic. Players like that have hamstring issues that always consistently hurt their hamstrings or pull their hamstrings every four or yeah. five weeks. They come back, the, but like I've seen like David Villa literally break both of his legs gee. in like in yeah. half, and then he came back and still played. I mean, not not during the same season, obviously, but mm-hmm. during the next season, like he did come back eventually. But yeah, hopefully Harvey Elliott, it's it'll be a miracle story, but <laughs> that will be. Ugh. Yeah, man, we're looking out for but, you. Hopefully, well, you come I guess, back. yeah, hoping that he makes that comeback. You know, praying for his recovery. But I guess the bigger question now is that he he was only 18 years old, but Klopp trusted him to come into the lineup. But now, who comes in his place? Like, who steps into that place? I think it would be Jordan Henderson, just because if you when Harvey Elliott was taken off the field, the player that did come in was Jordan Henderson. So mm-hmm. I believe you know the captain makes his return, but. Ultimately, we do also have other players on the bench like Curtis Jones who can come in, uh, Nabi Keita as well. So has he, has he been injured, Curtis Jones? Or has he just not been playing? I'm not sure, actually. I was kind of curious myself. I have seen him in training. So that's kind of like the weird thing because like sometimes coaches just decide, it's like, you know, maybe he's not 100%. And then they just decide, it's like, all right, we're not going to start him. Mm-hmm. But Harvey Ella, I, I feel like he earned that position. He earned it over Henderson. If anything, yeah. as well. So, I feel like the next person that would come in probably would be Henderson, just because he is literally the captain. But yeah, you know, Klopp knows best, and he knows what'd be the best tactic for like the next game, which will be against Crystal Palace. Should be a walk in the park, <laughs> but <laughs> as Cristambul and all those other events have happened in the past, I'm still always kind of weary about it. So we'll have to see how they recover from here. And also, they do face AC Milan midweek. Yeah. By recording this on Monday, like a couple yeah. days before Champions League. So we haven't seen that game yet, but man, in terms of like just the progression and development of Harvey Elliott as well, like this is like a big reason why Liverpool didn't buy any players in the transfer window because like they wanted to give him minutes. They wanted to give him the time and the opportunities. So it's kind of, it's kind of rough yeah, to see this. It's a big blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I just I remember like when that happened for Manchester United with Luke Shaw because at that point Luke Shaw looked really really good because he he was he because that season before he dealt with a lot of lingering injuries but that season um, Louis Van Hall's second season he came into the team and was looking really strong like a really solid left back but then that that accident came and it was just ah oh. um, but hopefully with uh, like we mentioned with Elliot that hopefully he can just make a quick comeback and um, bounce back to the form he once had but. Another, I guess, storyline that kind of came out of this game was Sadio Mane. He did score a goal, but he actually took, I think there was a, um, Sky Sports put out a stat that in the Premier League this season, um, he took the most shots in the Premier, in one single Premier League game um, to not score. So he took 10 shots in total and finally scored on his 10th and final shot. But he up until that point, he had taken nine shots in that game and failed to score. And some of them, I will have to say, some of them were straight up sitters or almost like, hey, how do you not score there? There was just, uh, what, what was he thinking? Like he just misconnected with the ball. Um, there was just a lot of instances where like, how, how did he not score that? And to me, this is a little interesting because last season, um, Mane did struggle to score some goals. He did not look like the same Mane. And we thought, okay, is this just, uh, you know, off season for Liverpool or is this, you know, kind of a, uh, kind of going to be a reoccurring pattern. And unfortunately I know he did score a goal, but, um, yeah, something just looks a little bit off on him. And it was a little bit weird because for the past, I guess, since the 2016, 17 season, I've always been a fan of mine. I always thought he was one of Liverpool's catalyst players where he kind of do something out of the ordinary to get Liverpool going and going or his out of, unorthodox style of playing whether it's be his shooting style or his you know dribbling he just kind of catches people off guard and then that basically his a, a ability to catch people off guard allows him to score some fantastic goals but yeah he just has not looked the same the past two seasons um that he once did when he was pretty much at the peak of his form but Tyler, i don't know you you watch a lot of liverpool obviously a lot more than i do so is this wearing signs for sadio Mane that he is declining it, I feel like it's a slight consequence of his kind of unorthodox techniques <laughs> that he has for like shooting, dribbling and, you know, skills, things like that. Because when you watch a player shoot, like maybe a free kick or just a, a shot on the run or, you know, like a stop and turn. I feel like a player, if you look at like, I mean, if you look at like Erling Holland, I mean, that, that's kind of weird. But like, let's say you look at, you know, John McGinn for Aston Villa and like, say, another player in the Premier League, such as like, or I guess formerly in the Premier League, like Troy Deeney, something like that. When you watch them kick or you watch them like take a shot, the technique that they use, like kind of like the kicking motion and like the way they run, it's relatively similar. Like maybe like you can kind of, if you put them in like silhouettes, you'd be like, all right, you know, that's the kind of stance you always see for like someone taking a shot. That's the kind of stance you, you see for someone passing the ball, kind of running past someone, things like that. For Versadio Mane, he kind of contorts his body <laughs> in kind of weird ways to kind of get shots off. And it, it kind of looks almost like he's straining different tendons and muscles. That I'm like, how <laughs> is he getting away with this? How How is he still like fully fit? I would definitely feel like he would pull something at some of these shots. But he's always gotten away with kind of getting these weird angles and like weird kind of techniques off. And even the goal he scored this past weekend it was kind of like a weird turn as well. I was just like, okay, well, I mean, at least he got it in. And that's just kind of how he always been. And historically, it's always worked out for him. Like he's always gotten like the shot off kind of a little quicker than a normal person would or like a normal professional player would, or he would get a shot off that 
it'd, it'd be from like a weird angle, but because of like the way he kicked it or like the way he set up a shot, like he, that's the only like window he had to shoot and then he got it off, even though he got it off in like a weird way. <laughs> it's kind of weird to explain just by audio cues. Yeah. <laughs> if visuals. you watch Monday, you could like, yeah, you just, you could tell that he just does things a little differently. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that lack of like consistency in terms of like technique and everything like that and having his own way of doing it might be affecting him now because, you know, as you get older, you're not really as flexible. And I think now kind of nearing his late 20s, maybe his body is not being able to like contort and stretch and form in the way that he's used to shooting and passing and running. And it's starting to affect him now. But I mean, ultimately, he did score in this game. So I think also it's partially like a mental thing. Because he's still scoring goals. And for Senegal, he did score during the international break as well. So it's like, all right, there's something clearly going on where it's like he can still score. But it's just like it's just not as many. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just like a slight decline in his career, you know, because everyone peaks and hits their prime at different ages, you know. Yeah. And at different parts of their career. It's not always 27 to 29 as like, <laughs> you would see in FIFA. Yeah. It's like, you know, like players like Cam Newton, like he basically peaked very early in his career in football and then like ever since then it's just been a decline whereas for Sadio Mane I feel like his peak was like three seasons ago but you know it could be a roller coaster it can come back Mm -hmm. but it is slightly concerning and it's you can see it in the relief in a celebration when he finally did score last weekend where he's just like (laughs) he did the Firmino you know kind of like part to the side just like waved his arms to the side but everyone came to celebrate. Oxlade Chamberlain, I did notice, didn't celebrate with him. He was kind of <laughs> more annoyed because I think he didn't get the pass to shoot because Ox was just wide open. And Sadio Mane decided to take the tenth shot of his of his <laughs> uh, you know locker that game. So, I mean, it's it's clearly frustrating for him, and he's trying to get over it. But and usually he would be one of the more unselfish players as well. I feel mm-hmm. like the most selfish player in a good way is Salah because he's you know. As you mentioned, not just a one season wonder. He's pretty consistent <laughs> season to season. So it's like, all right, of course you give him the ball. It's kind of like they Ronaldo. He's like the six the season wonder. Yeah, <laughs> six <laughs> season wonder at this point. But for Mane, you know, he's always been pretty unselfish. And, you know, if he does have the open shot, he will take it. But, you know, the past two seasons, including this one, those chances he usually would put away. You know, it, it might be hitting the defender. It might be shooting right at the keeper. It might hit wide a little bit. But... And it might not be scoring as clinically as he used to, but I mean, maybe that might be a consequence of just like declining, just age <laughs> in his mm-hmm. in his uh, prime and his ability. So I think that might be just a consequence of that. So yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to get it back. That's the thing. Yeah, it, it is kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy when you think about it because it wasn't too long ago. I would say three or four seasons ago when him, Salah, Firmino were literally they combined for a crazy amount of goals. Like they were literally mm-hmm. the front three that like the front three, everyone wanted. Um, but it, it just, I feel like that's with any sport though. When, when you see like golden state, when they had that incredible run with their three superstars and when they added Durant, um, you know, talking NBA here, but I feel like with any sport, when you have a trio or a core of just stars, it's very hard to maintain that consistency for a very long amount of time. I think it's just, it's pretty much unrealistic. It's just too, it's just too much, um, too many variables like age, um, you know, whether the hunger is still there, all of that you have to take into, into account. So 
I don't know. Maybe we'll see the you know Mane coming back because Mane definitely, even though he joined Liverpool, he's still one of my. I enjoy watching him because he's so unorthodox that you can kind of pull off the spectacular whenever he wants to. So hopefully we'll we'll see Mane kind of coming back to um, some of that prime goal scoring form that he once had a couple seasons ago. So we'll mm-hmm. see what happens there. But um, I would say like a, an analogy I kind of just thought of is like. Mm-hmm. When you watch certain shooters in the NBA, like Steph Curry, like Clay Thompson, they have like specific releases for when they shoot the ball. Like yeah. you can even put it to a T where it's like because they practice a certain shot a certain way in like the gym like 10,000 times, they always do it the yeah. same way in game. Yeah. And there's certain players that do it correctly and certain players like Lonzo Ball, when he came out yeah. from UCLA, he had like a very peculiar release where it's like, yeah, just doing it his own thing. It wasn't like straight on. Like he kind of did it like side. Like he flicked his arm out like sideways. Yeah. Sadio Mane is like the equivalent <laughs> of Lonzo <laughs> Ball. Lonzo except, Ball. except if Lonzo Ball came straight out of UCLA like balling. I mean, granted, Mane did not come out just straight balling like from Southampton or uh, Red Bull. Like he literally just came from into Liverpool and then some of his or- unorthodox and his athletic ability kind of paid off and kind of covered that but i think now it's kind of showing now that mm-hmm. some of those unorthodox things can't really work as well if you if you don't still have that athletic ability but yeah then again i could be slightly wrong about that because whenever i see like those documentaries and background training videos on youtube of the liverpool facility everyone's always like it's always mo salah and sadio mane like last in the gym they're always just living there so that's yeah. So that's something we yeah. have to just kind of keep. Hopefully, thinking. hopefully that some of Salah's like goal scoring form could just rub off on Monday. You know, if they're in off. the gym together. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, Liverpool top of the Premier League table along with Manchester United, Chelsea, and now Everton. Actually, and they did beat Burnley today, which is uh, Everton being on top of the table with them. It's pretty funny, but Ooh. you know. They're not staying there for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to mention Watford Wolves. And one specific thing we wanted to mention in this game was Wong Ki Chan, the man we mentioned from last week's episode. He got his debut goal. I think, um, was, was it a tap-in, essentially? Yeah, it was a tap-in. Yeah. Like, but on the one-yard line. <laughs> that's uh, that's cool because I think I saw a video of like the uh, Korean commentators for that game. Um, they went absolutely berserk when Wong Ki Chan scored his goal. So it's, it's great to see that. I loved it. I was like, all right, he finally scores a league goal the first <laughs> time in like two seasons. So he couldn't score in the Bundesliga at all, but first match subbed in in the Premier League. He did it. Maybe he did it. So, I mean, Wolves put the pressure on and then Huang was the right place, right time. So hopefully yeah. this is the start of something. Because yeah. if anything, Wolves, all they're missing is a goal score. Like if you watch them play so far in the season... They've gotten so many chances. They have they like Trincao. Put them away. Uh, yeah, they like it would be Jimenez, but he's uh, still kind of recovering a little bit from like the rust. But maybe Huang can help him out. But yes, I'm sir. Just, that was just so hype to see. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's great to see that. It's great to see. That. And honestly, oddly enough, um, in this next next game, Arsenal Norwich, where Arsenal did beat Norwich one nil, another Asian um, international performed. Uh, Japanese international Takahiro Tomiyasu actually did pretty well at right back. And actually, mm-hmm. um, I think there was a, uh, from what I've been seeing from Arsenal fans, they actually embraced him a lot from his performance. They kind of uh, 
like the way he performed, the the mentality he had, the uh, you know the toughness he had, um, the, just the traits he was displaying um, on the field for Arsenal. So it's great to see that the Arsenal fans are kind of embracing this uh, deadline day transfer and kind of opening, kind of embracing him with open arms because um, the fact that he slotted in at right back and could basically solidify himself as a as the right back for Arsenal alongside Kieran Tierney on the other side. That's a that's not that's not too bad. Um, from everyone I've heard, even from outside of Arsenal, they they were pretty impressed with Tomiyasu's performance against Norwich. Granted, it was against Norwich, but hey, Arsenal were uh, bottom of the Premier League table <laughs> going into this match, so they needed this dub. It was a relegation battle, and honestly, <laughs> it made it a really interesting game because of that. Because it was two teams that are kind of in the oh crap kind of situation. It's like, all right, we got to get something. Like people are going to get upset, and Arsenal made some bold changes too. Not only did they take out. You know, Cedric Suarez and Callum Chambers from like that right side. But they also took out Leno. Bert Leno was taking out a goal, which is kind of surprising because Ramsdale, he hasn't really been at the club that long either. Yeah. Like Tomiyasu literally came in on transfer deadline day and they slotted him in like a week later, which is kind of insane to hear. And then mainly Niles, the man who made the Instagram post saying, Why won't you let me leave? Basically, (laughs) not that direct, but. He got the starting 11 gig in the center defensive mid position, like where uh, Zaka would have played. So these are kind of big, bold moves against, you know, as we mentioned, a, a Norwich side that is struggling, probably will struggle the whole season. But this was a big move for them to play, for Arteta to play. And it, it kind of worked out. They ultimately got the 1-0. The goal was a little scrappy. I'm not going to lie. Aubameyang was also, it was a tap in from a few ricochets here and there. But they got the job done. They got the clean sheet. They got the one goal. They got the three points. And now they're only in 17th place. <laughs> so they're hey, out not, of relegation zone. Yeah, they're out of relegation. But it's uh, going to be a slow climb out of there. Hmm. But, but, I mean, that I'm is excited. interesting. It is interesting, though, because Burnt Leno being benched, it kind of just shows that um, Arteta's just like, all right, now that we've got Ramsdale, you know, get Burnt Leno out of here. Just get him out of here. <laughs> and I thought it was very interesting that um, I remember when Emmy Martinez kind of came in during when Burton Leno actually got injured um, during the start of the um, Project Restart. And Emmy Martinez came. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were like, why don't we just keep Martinez and then sell Burton Leno? But they actually did the opposite where they kept Leno and then sold Martinez. Um, and just talking to some Arsenal fans, they've honestly have never really been completely sold on Bert Leno. Yeah, they said that in that first season, he did make a lot of couple, he made some big saves and we're kind of keeping Arsenal in the game. But I guess the way they said that, the way Arteta wants to play, Leno is not very good playing the ball out of his feet. He's not a very comfortable passer. And he's also prone to making a an error or two um, every so often. So maybe this is kind of changing the guard where they're just like, maybe we just rush Ramsdale in now and just go from there and just kind of see if we can sell Burton Leno in January transfer window or something like that. But um, I think they are making the right move because why not just go for the future now instead of someone that is a little meh and iffy, iffy uh, in terms of performances for Arsenal. It is pretty exciting. This is a very FIFA career mode kind of move where it's just like, you know, this player has a 90, you know, he's a high prospect <laughs> player. You know, this is a player that's projected to be a 90 rated player. He's like yeah. 79 rated right now, but whatever Let's we'll, just train we'll play him. him now let's just train him up and just put him in <laughs> so that's that's kind of <laughs> crazy to see they're just kind of like yolo mentality because ultimately you know as we mentioned 
in the previous episode, Adu and Arteta are both like on the hot seat. So it's like they kind of want to see their players get at least some minutes before they get sacked. So it's like, you know what? Let's just put them in now. Otherwise, before we won't even get the chance to see them. Mm -hmm. So and Partey, Thomas Partey also made it onto the bench as well. So he's back from injury. So it might be. I'm very I'm always very hopeful for Arsenal for some reason, some way. Maybe maybe this is the run. They get maybe, in the Champions League. Maybe this is their run. Their title run. <laughs> this is it. They just go on like a 30 game unbeaten streak. <laughs> this could be, you never know. All the Gunners fans are like, all right, don't give me hope. <laughs> don't, don't do this to me. Oh man. But I mean, you got one good thing going for you. So there you go. Yeah. So it is it is like we mentioned last week. I thought this uh next string of games is make it or break it for Arteta. So, you know, one for one. Uh I guess one of three right now. So let's see if he can um pick up another two victories for Arsenal. But um now moving on to sort of a different section for us. As we mentioned today, the day we're recording this September thirteenth, um, this was the day that FIFA actually released their top twenty-two players for FIFA twenty-two, um, their top rated players in that game. Um, a couple of interesting things that we wanted to note, because both, as we've probably talked about, or if you've heard from our references throughout the entire time we've recorded uh, the Premier Pod, Tyler and I do play FIFA. Um, and we have played FIFAs in the past, whether that be career mode, ultimate team. So we kind of know a little bit our ins and outs of the FIFA ratings and um, past historical data in terms of like who's been rated what um, just from past FIFA. So the FIFA 22 ratings have caused a bit of controversy for a lot of people, have caused a lot of conversation because there have been some interesting choices um, I feel like EA have made in this FIFA. So I guess to start it off with, I guess the, I guess quote unquote top 10. Um, what's interesting here is, you know, Messi, 93 being number one. Yeah, you know, Messi deserves it. Number two is not Cristiano Ronaldo. Number two is actually Robert Lewandowski at 92 rated. And then third, Highest rated player is actually Cristiano Ronaldo, 91 rated. That is the first time since, gosh, I think maybe FIFA 11 or FIFA 10 where it wasn't, it hasn't been Messi and Ronaldo, the top two highest rated players on the game. So it's a big move by EA to do that. And not saying this just because I'm a Manchester United fan, I do feel like that downgrade, that one downgrade for Ronaldo is a little bit um, harsh because he was the leading goal scorer in Serie A last season. And yeah, he didn't get Juve to a Champions League, but I feel like if anything, Ronaldo deserved to stay on level with 92 and then you could throw Lewandowski um, in that 92 pool as well. I do think Lewandowski did deserve that uh, that upgrade because he's been a very, very, very good player for Bayern Munich and probably honestly top five for the past couple seasons. And this past two seasons, he's definitely shown his quality, but I think the Ronaldo downgrade is a little bit a little bit harsh for sure. It's kind of weird to see even Ronaldo at a 91 because yeah. I don't even remember him being at the, around that level besides like FIFA 12, 11. Like it's yeah. literally been almost like a decade since we've seen Messi or Ronaldo like basically n- under 90 almost. So yeah. Ronaldo's kind of getting there. He's he's 36 given that, but... You have to give it to Lewandowski. He, I mean, he basically should have won the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for COVID, he definitely would have won the Ballon d'Or. He had an, a ridiculous season that year. Mm-hmm. And Ronaldo is kind of getting up there in terms of age. And FIFA historically hates old people. And when I say old people, I just mean 
in their terms of old people is just 30 years old or above. So <laughs> usually there's a pretty big downgrade in terms of pace and overall rating as you get older. But for Messi and Ronaldo, they've been pretty lenient about it because given they are literally t- some of the two best players of all time. And Messi's still the same rating. But I mean, for Ronaldo, he's still technically now the highest rated player in the Premier League. Yeah, which is, is true. pretty interesting to see. It's like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Literally someone from the transfer window now is the highest rated player in the Premier League and it's Ronaldo. And the, I mean, the next best player in terms of rating would in the Premier League, at least, is Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Then Kane, would, then Kante. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, we'll mention it, the others in a sec, but it's kind of surprising to see like, you know, Ronaldo, he had such a good season last season with Juventus. Granted, yeah. they didn't really do what Juventus typically does. It's like win everything. But I mean, individually, Ronaldo did, still did pretty well as opposed to the next player that we're going to mention, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. You know, he was kind of slightly hindered by injury at times, but he kind of had a lackluster season to his standards. Yeah. But he kept the same rating. <laughs> like yeah, his- same stats too. Same stats from FIFA 20 or FIFA 21. Literally the same exact card. <laughs> they were so just I don't like, understand EA. I'm like, shouldn't De Bruyne be downgraded then? <laughs> With yeah. that kind of logic, but maybe De Bruyne is not old enough to get the downgrade yet. So they're like, you know what? We're just gonna keep him as is. It's uh, it's very interesting because I feel like some of their that that rating also is kind of one of those where he he did have an okay season, but it's not up to De Bruyne standard esque seasons where he's winning Players Player of the Year awards. Um. One that I thought was interesting was Kane finally breaking into the 90 club. I believe this is his first FIFA where he has had a 90 rated card um, because historically he's always been at 89, 88, 87, like top tier, but not ultimate top tier. Um, So him breaking the 90 card, I think that is pretty well deserved because he had such a good season last last year. But Conte getting a 90 uh, a 90 90 rated card is pretty big because that's his first season as well for Kante. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty well deserved because he's been one of the best players uh, these past couple of years, but now finally uh, probably getting some love from EA, deservedly so. And I would say Kante is one of the hardest players to determine rating for just because <laughs> it's kind of like determining a you rating. You can't look for, at his stats. Yeah, for stats, it's like, all right, how many tackles did he get? How many interceptions? Like maybe it could be that. It's like how many times did a player get pressured to doing a pass too early or just disrupting the other team's tactics just because Conte is just, there's like seven of them on the pitch whenever he plays because he's just always everywhere. (laughs) So it's always hard to kind of figure out Conte, but kind of the four players we just mentioned from the Premier League, Ronaldo, De Bruyne, Harry Kane, and Conte, those are the four players that are in the 90 club, 90 rated or above in the Premier League. And the rest... Or have been lowered or just under 90. So players like Mo Salah, Van Dyke, Mane, Ali Sun, the, the four Liverpool players. Some <laughs> they were, were in the 90 in the club 90s. last year. They're in the 90 in club FIFA last 20, season. Or FIFA, was it FIFA 21 or 20? I think it was 21 it was last were, season. Yeah. Yeah. But they all got at some point put now into the 89 rating, which is still not too bad given last year Liverpool as a whole. If you were to take everything into account, they snuck into third place last minute. Yeah. And like they didn't have like the best season. Like individually, we just kind of mentioned Mane didn't really have the best season. Salah actually scored more goals last season than he did in the previous season when he was a 90 rated, but he yeah. got demoted for some reason. So yeah, the, the logic's the Salah, kind of wonky. 
the the Salah one definitely even as a United fan I felt that was pretty harsh like I felt like if anything Salah was kind of the glue that was keeping Liverpool ticking during this entire of last season when they were struggling so much I just if anything I felt like he deserved a 91 over Kevin De Bruyne but the fact that he got an 89 I thought that was really really harsh on EA for Salah at least Mm-hmm. Maybe just just don't like him. Maybe the <laughs> the man who makes the man or woman who makes the ratings is a city fan. But <laughs> and the, the last and the Van, yeah the Van Dyke I I'll, I'll say this real Van Dyke I get to a certain point yeah he was injured but I mean I feel like that's pretty harsh too like he he was pretty solid before the injury but it's just like how how can you downgrade someone just because they got a bad injury you know they got I, injured that's just for my the logic. whole season yeah injured for the whole season minus one. Yeah, I, was I like, mean, that's a little. I harsh. can see the logic a little bit there, where it's like you know, he's out the whole season. It's like maybe he won't come back 100. percent I mean, you gotta look at some other players too. It's just like I'm not gonna mention any ones that are not in the Premier League, but I'm looking at Ter Stegen. I'm like, how's he 90? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's just one of those. I, I think Ali Sun. Yeah, he did have a little bit of some blunders um, last season, but um, yeah, Liverpool. I felt like got. Yeah, they had a struggling season. So any uh, they, you know, historically FIFA always does this. A team that struggles a lot the previous season, the next FIFA, they get pretty much all their players, you know, from the board, uh, starting eleven, get a little bit of a downgrade, whether that be in individual stats or overall rating. Um, so it, that's it. It was tough. It uh, that's the one thing I always hate when your team is struggling during this current season. You think about the next FIFA that's coming out. You're just like, man, the FIFA, the team is going to be like garbage this like in the next fifa compared to this fifa um mm-hmm. but yeah liverpool got hit with uh, a little bit of a downgrade by i know you're probably going to mention it but uh hyunmin's son breaking into the 89 club uh, i know it's not the 90 club but 89 that's really high uh because i think what was son 88 or 87 yeah he's 87 so so he made a he jumped over 88 to get into 80 that's crazy that's a big leap for hyunmin's son and just in general, I feel like this might be one of like the highest, if not the highest rated like Asian player yeah. I've ever seen in FIFA. That's true. So if you're not counting, like, I guess not even a legend like Nakata. He's not even that yeah, high. That's, that's cheating though. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. The legend so you're not cards. Kind of foot, foot, foot card. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I think he might be the highest rated Asian player. Mm-hmm. Just on base card alone. Because like <laughs> even when Park Ji Sung played for Manchester United back in the days, I remember his card was just like 81. Yeah, that was, like, he was never highly part. rated. So he's he's very much like Fred level in terms of like his rating. It's just very much 82, 81, 83, things like that, if I remember correctly. But Human's son, I mean, him and Kane, that connection is what got him up there. His goals, his goal tallies, his stats, stats don't lie. So that's why he's <laughs> up there. But I'm just, I'm like, man, that's his huge. shooting is crazy. His if you if we're looking at the card right now, he has 87 shooting and Kareem Benzema who is Real Madrid striker, 89 rated, has 86 shooting. He's so, better shooting than Benzema. <laughs> that's just crazy. Like, How does he have better shooting than Benzema? Like, That's Kareem Benzema, man. That's crazy. We, we kind of apologize for those who don't play FIFA, and this <laughs> section just doesn't make sense. But in terms of just, if you were to take a snapshot, or not a snapshot, but like accumulation of how the players did in the previous season, and then you put it into like a baseball card or like a kind of equivalent thing. But for a video game, this is the equivalent. So kind of seeing these stats and seeing these kind of player ratings is how EA is kind of 
electronic arts is kind of determining how these players did in the previous season. So kind of seeing these stats are kind of like a validation. It's like, all right, did Sun actually have a good season? It's like, oh yeah, he did. It's like, did Mane have a good season? It's like, uh, kind of rough, but he got dropped a little bit. And then the ones that are just confusing us are just like De Bruyne and Salah. And then kind of like the last one I do want to mention just so that we mentioned all the Premier League players that made it into the top 22 is Ederson. Ederson also made it as an 89 rated keeper, basically on par of Ali's son. But I mean, you kind of have to give it to him too. He got golden glove and he's still the same rating as Ali's son. So, you know, hmm. But I mean, there's not really that many surprising things besides Ter Stegen in this top 22. But I'm glad to see at least basically half of it is Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it, it's it been majority Premier League because I think the Premier League, uh, we had mentioned it before, but the Premier League is the strongest it's been for such a long time because it was not too long ago in past FIFAs where the list was pretty much dominated by uh, La Liga teams, um, whether that be Real Madrid and Barcelona. But now the tide is kind of flipped where, as, you, as Tyler mentioned, in the top 10 at least, there's Ronaldo, De Bruyne, Kane, Conte. That's four players in the top 10 just in the Premier League alone. And then... The other 89, you have Salah, Son, Van Dyke, Mane, Ederson, Ali Son. That's six people. That's or yeah, six players right there. Not to mention, um, this is just from the top 22. That doesn't mean there's there's still gonna be more 89 players, but that have not been listed in the 22. So you still have players like Bruno Fernandez, Paul Pogba, of like really highly rated players that can still make it into like the top 50 that haven't even been listed out. So Premier League for sure is going to be a fun league to play with in, in FIFA just just based alone on how good the players are. It's going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to build the ultimate team, like it's, Premier League is going to be crazy. Premier League is already a really expensive league to build half the time too with the, mm-hmm. as they like to call it, like the Premier League or English tax. So uh, Premier League teams are about to be really expensive. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Turkish League. <laughs> to start <laughs> off with, there we go. Pure Brazilian team. Or that too. I like to do that. You got to upgrade Turkish league to full Brazil to <laughs> Bundesliga potentially. And then you start twiddling with the Premier League. But it's a, it's a progression unless you're rich. Yeah. You buy your players. <laughs> but I, I know this is a Premier League podcast, but I, I quickly wanted to mention that for PSG, I know the joke has been or the meme that has been, uh, please don't pick PSG when you have FIFA 22 when you're playing with your buddies. But uh, their squad, just based on the top 22 cards, is ridiculous. The, they have the highest-rated player, Messi. Then they have 91-rated Neymar, 91-rated Mbappe with 97 pace, which is crazy. And then not to mention, they sprinkle in an 89-rated Donnarumma. That is, uh, that's scary. <laughs> um, so whenever you're playing FIFA with, uh, with everyone in a FIFA party, uh, just please avoid PSG. Don't be that guy. Don't Unless be that you person. want to win yeah. and they don't know, pick PSG because <laughs> Mbappe's, I can already say, is probably going to be the broken. best card in this game. It's broken. Oh my gosh. And then John Luigi Donnarumma. We kind of talked about this off camera, but I think just from his Euros, he basically jumped from an 85 to an 89 rated. That I, I don't actually, I don't remember a player, I don't remember a player having that big of a jump in terms of rating. Like that five, six overall jump. That's just crazy. Or four overall in this case, but that's a that's a pretty big leap. I guess Holland just did it. Yeah, I guess Holland did it too. Um, 
But it is a pretty insane leap to go from one level to the next that high. That's true. But yeah, that it is deserved. Too. I mean, he was a he was the best goalkeeper in the Euro the Euro tournament. Donnarumma was for Italy. Mm-hmm. So Man. here we go. Let's see if he actually gets time over Kaylor Navas. <laughs> <laughs> Free Kaylor. <laughs> Free Kaylor, dude. Oh man, but. Yeah, we wanted it. We wanted to mention that in there because it, it did cause a lot of controversy and a lot of uh, talk in the FIFA community because uh, ratings always get people going because it's always one club is like, oh, my player should be the highest rated player in the game. Like, what? This is BS. So it's always fun. And, um, you know, just because a card is highly rated doesn't mean they actually perform that well in games. You got to find some of the hidden gems that are a little bit lower rated, but sometimes perform better than the 90 rated cards. That's just how FIFA plays. But, you know, the game comes out in what October first or something like that. October first week of October, and then um, the you get to play four days early if you get the like most expensive edition. We're not go. sponsored by EA, but yeah, EA. So, <laughs> you want to sponsor us? Yeah, I don't know, that's, a, that's the opposite of EA to give away yeah. money. <laughs> also, so yeah, it's happening. FIFA twenty two. It's uh, it's coming near. So. Uh, we're excited, and I think everyone else is with these ratings and such. So uh, it'll be fun, fun times. But uh, moving on to our last section, the preview section, um, the games this weekend, not really a blockbuster big six matchup um, like we were getting used to last season. But um, there's still a little bit uh, juicier matchups here. I actually forgot there was Tottenham Chelsea, but um, in terms of like the top four big heavyweights going at it, um, there's not one this this weekend. But um, starting it off, we have West Ham versus Manchester United. This game will be pretty interesting because, as Tyler mentioned, this is kind of a big-ish test for Manchester United because they've played Leeds, they've played Southampton, they've played um, Wolves, and they played uh, Newcastle. But now West Ham, a little bit of a different tier compared to those teams just based on their performances last season and how they started off this season. So kind of a big test playing at um, West Ham at the London Stadium. So it's going to be a ruckus crowd. It's going to be pretty crazy. Um, you know, the West Ham supporters always bring a very good atmosphere to the match. So this will be a fun one. I think Mikel Antonio is actually suspended for this one because he got a red card in the previous game. So that's a big boost for Manchester United. But I mean, come on with the United team, like they have to win this game. Um, I know West Ham is going to be tough, but I, I feel like Manchester United can walk out with a a 3-1 victory. I think uh, West Ham can get a goal, but I think West Ham will try to push to get another goal, but I think United could hit him with a counterattack. So I'm going to go with the 3-1 uh, Manchester United victory. And as we see, Tyler's, Tyler's dog making an appearance at the podcast, barking on this one. <laughs> Put that on the bloopers. <laughs> but, all right. So basically, 3-1 was what I was also going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like a theme of last week too. It's like, you're taking all the scores, I was going to say. But for this one, I think West Ham also is going to be a very interesting week for them because it'll be the first week in European competition. They're going to be in the Europa League and they're going to have to decide, all right, do we put our best starting 11 against Man U and then put kind of similar kind of starting 11 for whoever they're facing in the Europa League or do they kind of do a half and half kind of situation? Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably... I don't know if they're going to prioritize one or the other, but I think they'll probably put some of their strongest against Man U. And then probably the opposition they play in the Europa League probably won't be as strong as Man U. That's my <laughs> best guess. So they're probably going to do 
a little bit of a hybrid there. But I think it's going to be a little rough for them to kind of balance that and then also balance the game that comes after that Thursday match in the Europa League. So kind of basing it all on just West Ham and not really Man U because I know Man U, they have enough depth to really kind of handle this kind of situation. And they have Ronaldo, so it's going to be just 3-1. 3-1 to Man U. <laughs> yeah, so we're both thinking the same there. But um, then we have Burnley versus Arsenal. This, as we said, is... Game two of three of kind of saving Arteta's, um, I guess, managerial career at Arsenal. I feel like maybe that won't actually, that's not the talk going on the board. But for me, I feel like it is. Um, This will be a tough game. Burnley haven't started the Premier League season too well. Um, They did get blasted by Everton um, just today, actually, in the Premier League. But this is always a really tough test, playing Burnley at Turf Moor, the way Burnley play. They're very physical Arsenal, a team that doesn't like playing very physical, that gets kind of bossed around a lot very easily. Arsenal, a team that's historically not been very good with aerial threats. Burnley are filled with aerial threats. So this is going to be a test to see what the mentality is like at Arsenal, whether these new defenders and new players coming in, Aaron Ramsdale being in the in as a goalie, you know, Tomiyasu, what, what can they do to kind of galvanize and kind of push this Arsenal defense and push this team to victory. Um, it's going to be tough, but I unfortunately, I can't see Arsenal walking out of turf more with the victory. I think it will actually end a, a 1-1. This game will end in a 1-1 draw. Uh, I was getting pretty close to kind of flipping between a draw <laughs> and a win, but because like Ben White, I feel like Ben White is going to be a big deciding factor in this game because Ben White, his biggest weakness is aerial threats. Yeah. And Basically, Burnley is just aerial bombardment. And, you know, you got Chris Wood up there. So, hmm. You know, Arsenal, I feel like they have a little bit of hope. And that hope usually is what kills them. But also at the same time, Burnley are kind of in the same situation, low-key. Because they're kind of going under the radar because Sean Dyke has been such a good manager throughout the past few seasons, like even when Burnley got relegated, they came straight back up and usually have a lot of faith in this team to kind of just get the job done. But I mean, this season, I wouldn't be surprised for them to be kind of more in that relegation battle than we mentioned in the previews. And I feel like one of these games is kind of an indicator. It's like, all right, this could be kind of a struggle the whole season. And I feel like Mm -hmm. Arsenal, they actually might sneak it. I think they might get the one. nil. wow. So I'm going to say one. nil Arsenal. See, the hope always comes through. I'll, I'm like at Burnley. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, all right. Maybe we'll see a new Arsenal. Arsenal that could defend uh, aerial threats. That'll be a new one. But dang, all Maybe right. Okay, just chuck any aerial balls. <laughs> just, they try to play like prime Barcelona, mm-hmm. <laughs> just all on the ground. But yeah, we'll see. That that's a big uh, that's a big that's a big claim. But hey, I I can actually I can see a win. But I personally, I just feel like a draw is more likely um, in this game. But you know, we'll see what happens. And then finally. We have Tottenham versus Chelsea, um, two London clubs going at it, two London rivals. Tottenham got blasted by Crystal Palace. Um, they lost 3-0 at Selhurst Park. Um, it was a pretty bad display because Tanganga got sent off with a red card. Um, and basically, Tottenham just collapsed after that. They just couldn't handle the, t- the Palace defense uh, or the Palace pressure. Excuse me. This game... Uh, I don't know Tottenham fans. This is going to be a hard game to win, especially the way Nuno likes to set up with playing very defensive, playing behind the ball, hitting um, Chelsea on the counterattack. Chelsea are just, are like on another level, I feel like, when it comes to just 
the way they've been performing this season. They have Conte, they have Jorginho, they have Lukaku, they have um, you know, they have Mount, they have Kai Havertz. They just have so many players they can throw at Tottenham that I think eventually Tottenham will crack. And I'm gonna go with a, a Chelsea two one victory um at uh, at Tottenham. So I'm going Chelsea two one. Tottenham also are kind of in a semi-injury crisis because if you notice in the last game too, although we didn't really mention the 3-0 loss Tottenham had to Crystal Palace last weekend, you know, a lot of it was also just because Tanganga got the red card. And after the red card, you know, the wheels fell off the wagon. Yeah. But, but Dyer on top of that, got injured. Yeah, Eric I think Dyer Son is injured too. Son is injured with an undisclosed timeline Bergwine's also injured Romero the basically the Atalanta center back that they got is also injured for undisclosed time Davidson Sanchez is out for personal reasons so <laughs> looking at the squad depth it's just Kane <laughs> it's just I guess Kane he's playing in goal before so maybe he's playing center back now but they're kind of in a bit of a, a crap show right now they're not really coming off some great form at home I'm not really sure that's going to help. Granted, this will be one of the first times in the Tottenham Stadium where they actually will have hopefully a full crowd. But I guess a Chelsea side that has been so good under Tuchel for also just not conceding goals and just playing so stoutly in terms of their defensive abilities and also just bringing up the right and left wing backs to kind of bring in like a front five almost. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to be too overwhelming for Tottenham to the point where... I don't even think they'll have much service to Kane. I think it's going to yeah. be. I don't know. Lucas what to say. Moore. Please. It's just going to be literally <laughs> Lucas Moore <laughs> just running. Ducante is just going to shut him down. He's like Roquan <laughs> Smith out there. But I think uh, I, I kind of want to say 3 0 for wow. Chelsea. I think it's going to no, be. No bad. hope for Tottenham to get a goal. There's no hope for Tottenham. Like, there was hope at the beginning of the season. But then on top of these injuries and just that poor game last basically like last weekend, I think it's going to be kind of rough. But granted, maybe Chelsea might hold back a little bit. If they go 2-0 up, maybe Tuchel will kind of play more conservative just to make sure his players are healthy and energized for the midweek game in the Champions League. But I don't see Tottenham scoring. I think it's going to be at least 2 or 3-0. I'm going to say I'm gonna say just 3-0. Okay, 3-0. I'm going 2-1 Chelsea. Uh, Tyler's going 3-0 Chelsea. So both uh, two Chelsea victories there, but yeah, that uh, pretty exciting weekend coming up. But we all, obviously, the, what we mentioned before, we are recording this on Monday. So we're not taking into account the Champions League fi- fixtures, Europa League and Europa Conference League fi- fixtures that will be coming in um, during this week. But um, yeah, that kind of wraps up uh, episode 124 for us. As we always say, you can follow us on uh, social media at on Instagram and Twitter at the Premier Pod. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube at the Premier Pod to catch the video versions of the podcast. Um, you can reach out to us with any questions you have or anything topics you would like for us to discuss on our social media channels. We are um, always happy to discuss anything you guys want to talk about and answer any questions you guys have. Um, and if you can, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you'd like to leave us a rating and review, that's more than appreciated. It definitely helps us out in terms of getting us. Um, seen and heard across to more people on the Apple Podcast platforms. But if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts or if you just want to listen to the show, that's 
more than welcome. We love uh, the fact that you're just listening to the podcast. But if you want to share the podcast with someone that is interested in soccer or the Premier League, that will greatly be that will greatly will greatly appreciate it. It helps us out a lot as well. Um, so as we always say, thank you again for the support and the listens and the shares and always interacting with us and you know stopping by each week to listen to us each week. So we do appreciate it and thank you guys so much. And that wraps up episode 124 for us. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.